read the story of eight-year-old Zachary. He's a little bit of a hero in Waterford, Connecticut, because Zachary saw that his six-year-old sister was choking on a piece of hard candy. And having seen it on television, he went over and, and performed the Heimlich maneuver on her, enabling her to breathe once again. And so Megan today is healthy in part because of her brother. And so everything turned out as seemingly great, except the next week when news crews were talking to little Zachary about his heroic feat in saving the life of his sister, this was Zachary's reply. I wouldn't do it again. She's been a pain this week. We live in a world that is filled with difficult, challenging, hard-headed, sometimes hard-hearted people. We live in a world that's filled with people who are sometimes downright rude. We live in a world filled with people who can be pains. Maybe we even live in the same house with them. And so today when we open God's Word and we allow it to speak to us, we're going to find that that it may be a little bit of a challenge. You know, God's Word in, in the book of Romans challenges us that as far as possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with everybody. Okay? That's a little bit of a challenge in and of itself. And the world would be a far better place if we listened to that, right? If, if we even heeded this, it would be a better place. Or if we took the words of James, James seriously when he says that we're to be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. How would that change the dynamics even in your own home if that were the case? Now, Those two verses in and of themselves, we look at that and go, man, there's my challenge for the week. There's there's my mountain to climb right there. Except Jesus doesn't make it that easy for us. As a matter of fact, what we're going to encounter today, Jesus kind of amps that up. He he steps up the game just a little bit. He takes us a, a step further because he doesn't call us simply to be peacekeepers. He calls us to be peacemakers. Matthew chapter 5 verse 9. You'll remember if you've been with us that we are in this series of messages dealing with the Beatitudes, this, these kingdom values that Jesus is, is teaching. And today we encounter this one in Matthew 5 9 which says simply, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. The world has enough troublemakers. It could use a few more peacemakers. And Jesus calls us to be exactly that. But how? That's that's, that's challenging, right? How do we, first of all, live at peace with people as much as possible as far as it depends on us? How do we live at peace with people? And how do we take that next step to actually be peacemakers Men and women who are shaped by Jesus, who are actually peacemakers and not just peacekeepers. Now, before we can answer those questions, 
we first have to ask ourselves, what is this peace that Jesus is talking about? What is this peace? How do we understand this peace? Because when we talk about peace, you know, if we say, okay, we, we're praying for peace in the Middle East, what are we praying? We're praying that they'll stop fighting, that they'll quit shooting each other and bombing each other and doing those kinds of things. When we pray for peace in our cities here in the United States, we're praying that the criminals and will stop shooting at police and that abusive police actions, and there are some, will stop and that people will, will just get along. For us, it would be peace. And, and perhaps we would be content with that level of peace, but Jesus calls us further. So let's understand what this peace is. In the Hebrew, the word peace is shalom. Many of you know that. It's used as a, a greeting. And it does mean an absence of conflict, an absence of war, but it's a, a deeper meaning. It's a, a, a bigger word than that because shalom actually means a, a sense of wholeness or fullness or personal well-being, being in perfect peace or having complete contentment. So when when, when you say shalom to someone, when you, it's almost a, a, it's a, it's a blessing on them, but it's also an encouragement for them to embrace and to be embraced by the kind of life that God has for them, this life of perfect peace and complete contentment. The New Testament has a word translated as peace. That word is arene. And like shalom, it can mean an absence of conflict, an absence of war. And like shalom, it's a bigger word that means a sense of security and, and harmony with, with God and with other people. In other words, Jesus calls us today to do more than just get along. And I think we sell ourselves short if we settle for that. Just getting along, not rocking the boat. So if you ever read this and you say, okay, well, Jesus just wants us to get along. He doesn't want brothers and sisters to argue or brothers and brothers to argue or sisters and sisters to argue. He just wants us to all get along. We're selling Jesus short for what he calls us to today. And I want us to maybe come up with a little deeper understanding of this because the peace that Jesus speaks of is an inner peace that comes from knowing a peace with God that actually results in a desire to be a peacemaker. So let me break that down just a little bit. Let me say it this way. We cannot be people who make peace unless we have peace within, inside. And we cannot have peace within until we are at peace with God. Let me say this again. I, I want us to get this because when we're, when we're talking about this, when we're reading this, blessed are the peacemakers. We want to understand it. We want to understand what this peace is and this process that we're called to. We can't make, we can't be a peacemaker if we don't have peace inside. If we're all a bundle of nerves and we're frazzled and frayed and fretful and all this stuff is going on inside us, we're going to have a hard time being a peacemaker. 
And the only way that we can calm those things down and, and correct those things that are going on in us that cause such violent disruptions inside is to have peace with God. Think with me. The prophet Isaiah, way back in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah gets a glimpse of what the Messiah is going to be, this, this promised one who would come to Israel and would be their king and their savior, the anointed one. And he reveals to us that he will be called Prince of Peace. He will, he will come as the Prince of Peace. And so at Jesus' birth, outside in the hills of Bethlehem, angels appeared to shepherds. And part of their proclamation at the coming of Jesus was peace on earth. Why? Because the Prince of Peace had come. Jesus, during his early, during his ministry here on earth, he promised to the troubled hearts of his disciples, he promised peace. And after his resurrection, as he came back to his disciples and, and met them, he said to them, peace be with you. I was actually stunned as I read through the Gospels and I looked at references in the New Testament beyond that, just how much this idea, this concept, this reality of peace, just how much of it we find. Peace was a big deal to Jesus. It was a big deal to the writers of the New Testament because Jesus came to bring peace to us. And Jesus came to do more than that. He came to call us to be peacemakers. And again, Jesus is telling us more than to just get along. He came to bring a greater peace, a, a deeper peace, a, a richer peace, a peace that can be ours even in the middle of chaos. Some of your lives are pretty chaotic, especially if you've got young kids in school. That's a lot. Boy, what a, what a chaotic life. And it's not all your fault. It's not all your fault. No. I mean, kids are kids. They do kid things, right? And then I, I don't know how we kept up. I honestly have no idea how Nancy and I kept up. When our kids were younger and they were involved in this, that, and the other thing, and, and every morning we were up trying to help them get off to school and, and then go through the day and have to, to leave. I remember having... Uh, staff meetings, I, I'd get together with Nancy, and we'd take Nancy Miller, the church secretary, we'd take out the calendar and we'd go through, and I'd go, okay, this day I need to leave at three, and this day I need to leave here, and I, I've got to go over here. You know, and we'd look, and, and the, the kids' calendars just put me in all kinds of directions. And so some of you are in the middle of that right now. Some of you are post that, you're beyond that, and some of you are, are getting ready to get into that. You're different stages of life, but no matter where you are, life is chaotic. We're at a stage in life now where we're both dealing with aging mothers. My wife and I, Nancy and I, we're dealing with aging mothers, and, and so that creates a, a little bit of chaos as we try to keep up with everything that's 
going on. Life is chaotic. And yet in the middle of it, we can be at peace. We want that. We, we crave that. And in fact, we can do more. Once we have experienced that peace, we have this, this command, this, this encouragement that Jesus gives us to invite other people to experience the same peace we have found. Now, let me, I'm going to pause right here because I think this is really important for us to get. If you don't have, and I'm not saying your life will be perfectly at peace at all times, but if you do not have some semblance of consistent peace in your life, then you will have no passion to invite others to experience what you're experiencing. Because your life is truly no different than theirs. What I want from this message more than anything else is for those of you who are in Christ to become hungry for this peace and to seek after it at all costs. Whatever it costs to find that peace. I mean, we've recently gone through this this incredibly awful storm, Dorian, that came through. And literally, if you've seen the pictures at the northern part of the Bahamas Island, this storm, was, I mean, it, it left very little still standing. I've never, I've never seen the level of devastation that this storm causes. It just kind of sat there. And, and people said that we're, we're in the midst of it. It was literally like being in a tornado for two days. That's how bad it was. But somewhere in all that twirling, there was a center, an eye. And there, it was calm. This world, it's a terrific storm. A devastating storm, a storm that rips at you all the time. And what Jesus invites you is to find the center. He is that center. And invite other people whose lives are in total chaos to join you in that center. To join you in the presence of the Prince peace. Let me share a couple of verses with you, a couple of passages. Ephesians chapter 2, this illustrates it for us, beginning with verse 13. But now in Christ, that's important, in Christ, he's the center, he's the Prince of Peace. Now in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. And what he's saying here is there was a time when you were separated from God. You were far from God. And because of Jesus, because of the blood of Jesus, because he died for your sins to take your sins away, to have this relationship with God restored, now you've been brought near. It's not like you just happen to stumble across it. It's not, it wasn't by accident. No, God, this is God's design. This is God's purpose to 
you who are far off to bring you near. Because Jesus is our peace. And then in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 17, we read, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there's that expression again, in Christ, in the peace, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. In other words, brought us far away, brought us near. And then look at this. And gave us. Don't miss this. Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ... God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, that is sins, not counting them against them, and entrusting to us, he says it again, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are Jesus' representatives. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him. Okay, let's, let's figure out the pronouns. I get in trouble sometimes if we don't know what pronouns are what. For our sake, he, the first he is God the Father. For our sake, God the Father made him. Who is him? That is Jesus. For our sake, the Father made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus, perfect, sinless. He made him to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is, this is the reconciliation that we're talking about here. That once we were far away from God, we were lost in our sin. We were lost in our trespasses. We were separated from God. And because God loved us, what John 3.16 tells us, God so loved the world. God so loved each of us that he gave his one and only son. And when Jesus died on the cross, he took our sins upon himself. He became sin for us so that we might inherit his righteousness. So here's the bottom line. Peace comes to those who enthrone the prince of peace in their lives and are moved to invite others to experience the, prince of, of the peace of God that is beyond all understanding. Have you ever met someone who was truly at peace, at peace in Christ? Those people are confusing. Because you look at them and go, do you not realize all the problems in your life? Do you not realize all the stuff that's coming at you, do you not realize it? And somehow in the midst of it, they are at peace. What's wrong with you? The reality is, it's what's right with them. Because it takes so little. It doesn't take much of a nudge to knock us out of the center, does it? I mean, one driver will knock us off center. This, I don't know who it was this morning. Anybody confess to driving 45 miles an hour in front of me all the way to church this morning? Okay. I, I, if it was you, God bless you. Uh, 
I didn't yell at you. I didn't scream at you. I didn't call you a moron. I didn't do any of that. I did mention that you were driving 45 and a 55, but that, that's about as far as I went. But you know what? It doesn't take much of that. I have to wonder what kind of man I would be if I actually lived in Atlanta and had to deal with Atlanta traffic every day. God would have to do a great work in my soul. <laughs> a great work. The problem is, it's not that the world steals our peace. We give it away. We easily forfeit it to satisfy our own sense of, you know, righteous indignation. We give it up. We dethrone the Prince of Peace. I think every morning we, we need to get up and we need to, even though we, we can't literally take Jesus off the throne, okay? We can't do that. He is who he is. But we need to acknowledge his enthronement as the Prince of Peace. And we need to guard, zealously guard that peace that he gives us that's beyond all understanding to guard our hearts and minds because when we have it, we want other people to have it. I'm about to get in trouble. I am. Let me, let me dial the clock way back to when I was in seminary. I had a guy who wanted me to get involved in Amway. Some of you know about Amway. Some of you are too young to know about Amway. But the dude was telling me how much money he made and how good the products were, and if I could just get in with him, we'd be making all kinds of money, and life would be good, and you could do ministry for free. You would you know, just do what you want to do. I've heard that same story over and over with so many different products and, and things like that. You know, I kind of make fun of the essential oils thing. I, seriously, I know it helps some folks. I haven't found anything that helped me. But, I mean, it's, there are essential oil evangelists, right? I mean, it's boom. It's, everything revolves around essential oils. But it's not just essential oils. It can be um, you know, the herbal life or some of the other products. And for some of you, this stuff is really, really helpful to you. But you get excited about it. And you want other people to pretend, you want other people to find what, find what you found, right? You get, it really is great in the sense that it gives you a concept of what we're talking about here. You want people to share, if you found this piece, you want people to share this piece. You want people to get in on it. You want people to have part of it. A blessed life, a flourishing life, is not a life that's full of anxiety, not a life that's full of, of, of worry. The life that Jesus has for us, this flourishing life, is a life that's full of peace, His peace. And once we know it, we want everyone else to know it too. Having been reconciled to God ourselves, we want, we've been entrusted with the message of reconciliation. Having, having entered into God's peace, we want the world to know that they're invited too. Having become children of God, we want to see other people join the family of God. A flourishing life is a life that knows peace because they've experienced peace and they want other people to experience it too. So how do we do that?
Let me share three things with you, and we're going to land the plane. First of all, how do you flourish as a peacemaker? It begins with knowing Jesus. That's where it starts. There was a, a bumper sticker. I remember it from a number of years ago. I should have looked it up. I could have probably found it on Google and popped it up on the screen. But it had basically two lines on the bumper sticker, and they, were, they sounded alike, but they were different. What's the homophone? Is that what that is, something like that? Okay, homophone. Sounds alike, but okay. Thank you, teacher. I appreciate that. Uh, words sound alike, but they, they're different words. And the bumper sticker had, had this line. No Jesus, N-O, no Jesus, no peace. But below it, it had the phrase, no Jesus, K-N-O-W, no Jesus, no peace. Interesting play on words. Now, I'm not big on bumper sticker theology, I don't, but this really summed up a lot in a few words. If we don't have Jesus, we really don't have this peace that we're reading about. But when we know him, then we know peace. Because he is the prince of peace. And this kind of knowledge, just knowing Jesus I'm talking about, it's not just knowing stuff about him. It's actually knowing him. Entering into a relationship with him. This is an intimate, personal kind of knowledge. I could, I could sit down with you if you're married and ask you some things about your spouse. I probably know some things about your spouse. If you've been in this church for a while, I might be able to tell you a few details of their life. I might, if called upon, have to give a description. I, I may be able to say, okay, here's, here's what this person looked like. Here are their physical attributes. But it's when you actually live with someone that you know them, right? I mean, that's when you really begin to know the person. The good things, the bad things, and everything in between. I mean, I probably couldn't tell you if any of you snore, but I could ask your spouse and find out. Because they've learned it by experience. And that's exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about knowing Jesus. It is a knowledge learned by experience. And that's why, as we're gonna, when we sing our final song this morning, Great is Your Faithfulness. That's how, why I can sing that song with conviction because I have learned that he has, is faithful. It's not just something somebody told me. And so if we're going to have this flourishing life, this life of a peacemaker, it begins with knowing Jesus, but it continues as you live at peace with everyone, as much as that depends on you. And so before you can be a peacemaker, literally, you have to be the peacekeeper. One of the things that, that God is trying to do in you is to produce fruit. Not real fruit, like grapes and bananas and apples and things like that. But the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, we read that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Ooh, peace was in that list. That means that what God is trying to do in you right now is to produce peace. Now, the Bible also says that we're not to quench the Spirit, not to put the Spirit out, not to, to dampen the work of the Spirit. We're to let God produce 
that in us. Because when people see it in us, it's attractive. They may think we're nuts, but they'll recognize that we have something they don't have. We have to live it, not just preach it. And ultimately, being this peacemaker is seen as you invite others to know Jesus and thus to know peace. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if no one's told you, if you hadn't figured it out yet, then this is yours. This is what God calls you to. In order to be a disciple maker, and we know we're called to make disciples, then we must be peacemakers. And the only true way that anyone can know peace is to know Jesus. And so let me ask you, who do you know that's far from God today? Whose life doesn't have peace? Do you pray for that person or those people regularly? Do you look for ways to speak gospel truth in their lives with gentleness and respect, but to speak those truths? Do you live in such a way as to validate the good news of Jesus? Do people want what you have? And then probably the question that hit me hardest is do you actually care whether people have peace with God or not? I watched a couple of football games yesterday. Some of them had outcomes I liked. Some of them didn't. But what really gets my attention is when you play with the balls running down the field and some defensive back or linebacker takes them out. Boom. As I thought about this message, and I actually typed in that question, do you really care whether other people have peace with God or not? It was like God's linebacker took me out. reality is reality is there are parts of every day that I don't even think about that people I encounter I have no idea where they are spiritually sometimes I just don't care because I'm on my way from point A to point B and there are actually obstacles in my path where I'm more interested in, in focusing on what I want to do and getting what I want to get. But the more I know Jesus, the more uncomfortable I am with other people not knowing him. I had an some of you know I was, I was out of town last weekend. If you were here and I wasn't here, that's, we were, we were uh, 
We were on St. Simon's enjoying a little downtime. But I had the occasion to encounter a young woman named Robin. She served us breakfast two mornings in a row. Somehow, God got me out of my little comfort zone and said, talk to Robin. And so I began to talk, just normal conversation. First of all, I called her by name. Can I just say, anybody, anytime somebody's wearing a name tag in, a, in the service industry, it doesn't matter if it's a grocery store or a restaurant or wherever it is, if they're wearing a name tag, call them by name. That's a great way to get a conversation started. And I began to ask, hey, how long have you been doing this? You from here? And I discovered that Robin has a 19-month-old daughter named Aubrey. And so I asked, hey, how'd you come up with that name? Here, people are really excited to talk about themselves. The next day, Nancy and I were sitting there for breakfast, and I said, hey, do you happen to have any pictures of Aubrey? She brought them out. So that's the first time, you know, we've we never known this girl before. And I said, hey, listen, we're going to pray. Do you mind if I pray for you and Aubrey? Now, this was the, the first day. And And an opportunity to pray for a young woman I may never see again. And for a little girl that I may never see at all. But when I finished the prayer, she reaches down and she hugs me out of the blue. I have no idea how much chaos is in her life. But I do know that for, for just a few seconds, I'd helped her see peace. And that's my job, not as a pastor but as a follower of Jesus. And it's yours too. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that uh, you call us to be peacemakers. But you do that first by calling us to experience peace. I pray, Lord, for those who don't know Jesus this morning, who may be sitting right here in this building, that they would not be content to walk out without knowing the peace that comes from being in Christ. And I pray for us, Lord, who have experienced that peace, but who far too easily just let it slip through our fingers. We allow the worries and the concerns and the anxieties of this world to, to nudge us out of the center. And we live in the chaos. 
while you call us to peace. And Lord, there, there are many of us in here who often like me. We don't even think about the people we encounter during the day. The people whose lives are chaotic and filled with worry and anxiety. Who just need to get a glimpse, a taste of the peace that's possible in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, for those who don't know Jesus who are here today, I pray your spirit would call them to faith. For those who do know Jesus but have sacrificed their peace, I pray, Lord, that they would enthrone, enthrone the Prince of Peace in their hearts. And Lord, for all of us, would you give us a passion to share the good news about the Prince of Peace with everyone that we come into contact with? Lord, this is our time to respond to what it is that you're leading us to do or to say or to be. And so, Lord, lead us in this time in Jesus' name.